you can turn with me to Jonah in the Older Testament. Now here's something, um, don't try to look for Jonah, you're never going to find this little short little book. Uh, Two things, use the table of contents, that's why it's there, like don't be afraid to use that thing. Or second, an easy way to find Jonah is go to the Newer Testament and find those four dudes, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those that write about the life of Jesus, and go to Matthew and just go back eight books, and you'll find Jonah. If not, I mean, Jonah is going to be impossible to find. I will admit, even as a pastor, I can't find it. Like, that's why I got to put my little ribbon in there, you know, so I know where to turn to. Jonah chapter one, and we are just going to dive in because for some of us, we've never heard the story of Jonah. For others of you, man, you've heard Jonah a hundred bazillion times in your life. I mean, you've heard this story over and over. So for those of you who've never heard this story, it's going to be fresh. We're going to give you new perspective. For those of you who've heard this story a hundred times, we're going to give you fresh new perspective. All right? So here we go. And Jonah, let me just set it up as you turn to Jonah chapter one. And if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. We find Jonah is a prophet of God which means he has the voice of God. He speaks on God's behalf to all the people. Jonah is in some deep tension in his relationship with God right now. He's got the tension between God's justice and God's compassion. He's in tension between God's judgment and God's mercy. God wants Jonah to go do something to a bunch of people that he believes God's judgment should come upon them. Yet God is saying, I'm going to bring my love and mercy and grace upon them. And Jonah is living into that tension. And this is where we pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Begins this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And it says this. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, what, friends? One more time with some passion. Jonah, what? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. In a sense, he said, God, see you later. He heads for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. The rest of verse 3, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, we're going to unpack these first three verses real quick before we finish the rest, because in these first three verses, we are given so much information. The first is this. We know, or actually, we're reading from the NIV version, which most of us have. There's many different translations out there of Scripture. Um, My favorite is actually the ESV. It's more of a transliteration from the Older Testament being written in Hebrew is the original language, and the Newer Testament being written in Greek is the original language. Uh, So I personally love the ESV. And I want to show you two things that the ESV does in these first three verses that I just think the NIV missed out on, okay? And And here's the first one. We are told in the ESV, literally the Hebrew word when God speaks to Jonah is arise, go to Nineveh in verse 2. It's this concept that Jonah is sitting, and arise means God speaks to Jonah as Jonah is taking a seat, and God says, arise, go to Nineveh, meaning Jonah, get up and turn and go to Nineveh. 
But we're told in verse three, and the ESV does it so well, but it says, but Jonah rose. So Jonah's down here. Jonah rises as God tells him, but God tells him, go to Nineveh. Instead, Jonah rises and turns his back to God and goes to Tarshish. It's fascinating. Here is a prophet of God who speaks on God's behalf and says, nope, forget you, God. Now, here's a little interesting map to give you an idea of where in the world are we, where are we just talking about? Here's a map of the ancient world. That red X represents where Jonah is. Now, you have up there is Asia Minor, which is present day what? Turkey. Good. You've been listening for the last year. Good. You have Greece, Italy, Spain. There's Egypt there. Um, where the red X, that would be present day Israel. But there's Jonah. So God says, arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Here's Nineveh. Nineveh is in present-day Iraq. You can actually still go there and see the old ruins of Nineveh that was there. It's in present-day Iraq. That travel distance between where Jonah is to Nineveh is God's calling Jonah to go about 550 miles. That's the birdshot. Walking distance, which Jonah would have to do, it's about 650 miles to Nineveh. That's what God's calling Jonah. Here's what's awesome. Where do you think Tarshish is? It's all the way in Spain. I just, just let that sit in for you for a minute. Do you realize how far Jonah is running from God? That distance is 2,800 miles to where Jonah is wants to go. The complete opposite direction God's calling him. A prophet of God, you are my voice to the people. I'm calling you only 650 miles, but you're going to try to go 2,800 miles. To give that a reference, the, if you were to travel the U.S. from the West Coast to the East Coast, it's a little over 2,600 miles. He is getting out of Dodge. <laughs> he wants to go as far away from God as possible. What's also cool about Tarshish is you got to travel the Mediterranean Sea. It's a rough um, travel and realize this is um, years before Jesus. We're talking um, almost a thousand years before Jesus' time. I mean, their ship travel isn't like what we have today. It would take you a year to travel from where Jonah is to get to Tarshish. Can we all agree Jonah's running away from God? It's incredible. I want to show verse 3 again because I wonder, I sit there and say, I get upset when I read this. I say, God, why are you calling Jonah? He obviously does not want to do this thing. Like he... It just wants to do everything else but to do what you want to do. In verse 3 in the ESV, it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Notice how many times it's going to say Tarshish. Once. From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to what? Tarshish. That's two times already in one verse. The rest of verse 3. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them two, three times away from the presence of the Lord. Three times the writer specifically says, Jonah is going to Tarshish. And I sit there and I say, why? 
Why does he want to go to Tarshish so badly? Well, what's interesting too is to note that they didn't know at this time the world was round. They thought literally the last known land that we see, then the earth just falls flat. You know what city that was? Tarshish. He was fleeing the most western city known at that time. They thought the world dropped off after that city. But I say, why do you want to go to Tarshish? Number one, it's actually a paradise location, right? Who would not want to go to paradise? Like, this is where Tarshish, forget doing God's thing in Nineveh, and they were a wicked people. I want to go to paradise in the opposite direction. But number two, looks what it says. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the what? He doesn't want to be around God. He wants to go as far away possible. God, don't bug me. Leave me alone. I am out of here. I am getting away from the presence of God. Now, a modern illustration, just to give us um, an example, would be in our own lives. Here's a map of the world. And then there we are um, in beautiful Michigan, the greatest state next to the worst state ever, Ohio. And... um, Nineteen days, nineteen days. Um, <clears throat> there we are. So it'd be God calling us from Sturgis, Michigan, to go to um, pick a location, Amsterdam, just a dark place, that red light district in Amsterdam. So God would be calling us just a dark place to minister to people, but instead we're like Jonah. We rise up, say no, thanks God, and we go to paradise. We go to Hawaii. Right? And this is exactly what Jonah's doing. He's trying to go to paradise where we think, man, God must be there or something because, I mean, it's beautiful. Versus, God, I don't want to go into the red light district. I don't want to go to Nineveh. They're evil. They're the cruelest people at the ancient time right now is the people in Nineveh. It's dark. It's broken. And we would rather, like Jonah, go to paradise than broken, hurting people. And this is where we find Jonah. He's gone down to the port city of Joppa. He's paid the fare. He's in the ship, and they go out, and they begin to sail towards Tarshish. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Verse six, the captain went in, went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish Right? I mean, this is a horrible storm that are upon these sailors. And note this, these sailors, this is what they do. They sail the sea. They've seen storms. They've gone through them. But this one must be so bad that they're willing to just call upon their gods. They're willing to go down to the basement of the ship, the bottom of the ship, and wake up a sleeping person and say, you've got to call on your God. 
Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, back in the ancient time when they casted lots, there were a couple things you needed to know. Number one, there was always a receptacle where you would take um, whatever it may be on the board of the ship or wherever you are, and you would take the receptacle, and everyone would pick an identifying marker. Most of it would be coins, sometimes broken bones, whatever you may you have in your pocket, whatever you just have, but that's to identify you. So for this instance, Jonah, you're the mint, okay? They would all come to the receptacle and put their identifying marker in. The person would say, we're going to cast lots now. They would shake it up and down, up and down until one was to fall out. And they believed the one that fell out was God's divine hand reaching in and picking out the lot that was to fall on the person who's responsible. They would pick it up and they would say, ha ha, it's the mint. Whose marker's the mint? And in our case, it's who? It's Jonah. Now, what you notice is, during when they cast lots, it doesn't mean you're responsible, so to speak. It means you have information for us about what is happening. So we want the information, Jonah. This great and terrifying storm is upon us. We've tried everything. We've tried to throw out cargo, lighten our ship, everything we've done. We want to know, Jonah, we have your identifying marker. We have your lot. Why? So Jonah is going to get bombarded with questions. Verse 8. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is in your country? Or what is your country? From what people are you? Question after question after question. Jonah, tell us something. Because this is horrible. Verse 9. He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This, what friends? This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Why did this terrify them? As I mentioned before, these guys sail the sea all the time. I mean, they know what a bad storm is. They've gone through bad storms in the Mediterranean Sea. They know it. They're professionals. When they call out their gods, these are pagan sailors. And when they call out their gods, see, their gods are limited to their location. They have God of the sea, God of the land, God of the sky, God of the moon, God of the sun, God of the stars. They have gods in certain, all these locations. But notice what Jonah tells him. My God is the God of the sea and the land. My God is the God of everything. And all of a sudden, uh uh-oh. Because all of our gods, they're just location gods. And all of a sudden, Jonah says, my God, in a sense, my God's the God that rules everything. And they get scared. They've never seen this God. They've never heard of this God that rules everything in their life. And it continues in verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make this sea calm down for us? 
Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. And notice here, you have a prophet of God who's running away from God, doing everything he can to get God, stop bugging me, stop following me, get away from me. I'm going to Tarshish, as far away from you as I can. And in the midst of it, you have pagan sailors, people, unbelievers, who are willing to save his life. Jonah you know it's because of you. Why don't you just jump out of the ship? He doesn't. I can't answer that question. I have no idea why Jonah just doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to save all your lives. Because if I stay in here, this ship's going down. And it's my fault, I'll just jump over. But instead, these men are out there rowing now, trying to do their best to save Jonah and themselves. And I want you to know this, church. There are people in your lives who are unbelievers that God can use to wake you up. This is going to be a wake-up call for Jonah. Verse 14. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Jonah, how did you ever get there? You're in God's will. You're doing everything for God. How did you go down so deeply alone in your walk with God? I mean, this chapter one ends, Jonah's in a great fish. Man, he was on land. He just needed to go to Nineveh. Jonah, how did you get here? I think the answer lies in verse 3 for us, in Jonah chapter 1. Look at verse 3 again. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the what, church? And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. The presence of the Lord, this word in Hebrew um, is pronounced panan. Let me hear you say panan. Panan is the Hebrew word meaning you're in the presence of God, you're face to face with God. We're told in this verse that Jonah must have been face to face with God, that God is here saying, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. You're in my presence. This is your will in your life. Go to Nineveh. But Jonah is here in the presence, face to face with the Lord and says, no. And Jonah turns his back to God. And as he turns his back to God, Jonah makes decisions to flee from him. Jonah then goes down to Joppa. He's at the port and he's making decisions to continue to turn his back to God and flee. 
He finds the ship, and as he's in Joppa, he goes down to the ship. And when he's down in the ship, he goes down to the lower deck. Back still against God, I'm still fleeing from God. And then this is back to God. He's in the bottom of the ship. He says, throw me over. It's the only way. Jonah finds himself down another step. He's in the sea. And then lastly, as chapter one ends, he finds himself all the way down here in the belly of a great fish. The whole time, he's back to God. And this representation of what Jonah did, it's the path of sin in our lives. Every decision Jonah did went down. And for some of us, we may feel great. Yeah, I'm on top. I'm in the presence of God. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm in his will. I'm doing everything. But there are times when we say, no, God, and turn our back to him. And we find ourselves going down a path we never thought we would go down. We find ourselves going down a path because of the decisions that we're making because we've turned our back to God. And we take another step down, and as we walk, we find ourselves darker in darker places, more isolated because we're fleeing from God. And for some of us this morning, We find ourselves right here. That we've just turned our back against God. And we feel like we are at the bottom. Church, if I was to sum up Jonah chapter 1, it would be this. Is that when we turn our face away from God, our only direction is down. And that's exactly what Jonah found himself. For some of us, these are decisions that as we turn away from God, they're decisions, they're our own sinful decisions that we've made. Maybe they're addictions in our lives. Maybe they're unforgiveness that we're carrying. Maybe it's just something in your life, you know, man, I have to stop, but I can't. And I just feel myself walking down away from God. And I think if Jonah was here this morning, I would ask Jonah, If you were here, Jonah, can you tell us, how did you end up here? How'd you end up on this last step? I think Jonah would say, yes, it's because of decisions I've made. You're right, I was up here with the presence of God. I turned my back to him and I went down to Joppa, went down into the ship, went down into the deck of the ship. I went into the sea. I went into the belly of the great fish. But also, I found myself here because I was disappointed in God. Remember that tension I talked about at the beginning of chapter one? The tension that Jonah had. God's judgment or God's grace. We will get into this in Jonah chapter 4. But Jonah wanted God's wrath upon the Ninevites in Nineveh. He didn't want God. He knew exactly what God was going to do. Shower grace, shower compassion, shower love. And he didn't want that. He was disappointed in God. 
And for some of us, we've been disappointed in God. That prayer that went unanswered, you're still wondering, God, where were you? That medical diagnosis you received, God, this is not in my plan in my life. Where's your hand in this? Or that delayed prayer, you're like, you know what, God? I've prayed this over and over. You never showed up. Obviously, you need a hand. I'll just start doing things. But we find ourselves here by our own choices and by our disappointment in God. But there's good news. God doesn't leave us here. God pursues us relentlessly. And the invitation to you and to me this morning is God says, arise and run back to me. For some of us, we've been down here so long, so numb, we don't even know what that looks like. But the first thing you got to do is just get up. Arise. For others, you're, you're, you're arise, but you're like, I don't know where to turn. What you have to do is you have to take the step to turn back to God. And your first step is you are going to run back up these stairs to the presence of God. Because down there is dark, it's isolated, and it leads to sin. And we feel trapped. But God's pursuing you. We're not there yet. Jonah's still down there. Next week, we'll get to how Jonah comes back up here. But for now, Jonah's having a nice pity party in the belly of a great fish. And for us, some of you are really good at throwing pity parties right? Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't do that. <laughs> but for some of us, we are really good at throwing pity parties. This morning, God's invitation, arise and run back to him. Let me pray for you guys. Father, there are so many times where we feel like we are exactly like Jonah. Life is good. We feel like we're in your will. We feel like we're face to face with you. We feel like we're just moving along at life's pace. And all of a sudden, sometimes, whether it's addiction, just decisions, disappointment in life, we turn our back and we begin to go down. Decision after decision in our life. Father, I pray for those of us that feel like we are on the bottom rung of those stairs. That we've turned our back and have gone away from you as Jonah has done. I pray that you give us the strength and courage to arise, to stand, because you're not done with us. And I pray for those of, you, those of us this morning that are standing but are still lost. I pray, God, that we just run into the arms of your Savior, Jesus Christ. For us to live that radiant life, we can't do life alone. We need you. And in, in dark moments of our lives, we are so isolated and alone. 
And when we turn our back, when we turn our face away from you, our only direction is down. Father God, I pray for those that are down that they would arise and run into your arms this morning. I thank you for that example that Jonah is giving us. It's unfortunate for him because we're not sitting in the belly of a great fish. But God, for some of us, we know what that's like. Just to feel alone and isolated in darkness, wondering what happened. I pray, God, may we be a church that stands and runs to you when times get tough. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if the ushers want to come down at this time. Receive the offering this morning. Hopefully we never get to the point where God needs to use a fish to haul us back up those steps, eh? All right, let's pray. Hey, as the offering play goes past two, don't forget to throw in your connection card. Just a good way for us to stay in touch with you. Father God, Lord, thank you that you pursue us, that you care for us, and that we can always turn back to you. Father God, I ask now that you would just receive our offerings. Lord, just that you would bless it. Just ask this in your name. Amen. As the ushers are passing the plate by, I felt led as Pastor Ryan was teaching to share a portion of scripture with you. Just to be meditating on this as I read in light of what we've heard this morning. It's the first 17 verses of Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. 
and in your book they are all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you.